did the system create the the people or did the people create the system? I think we both understand that there is a system out there that is broken, not irreparably so, but it is broken. Hello, everyone. This is Ellen, the producer of The Black Line Between Sales and Marketing with Doug Davidoff, CEO of Imagine Business Development and Mike Donnelly, CEO of Seven Cents. Let's get started. Good afternoon, or I guess good whatever time it is when you're listening to this podcast. Welcome to this edition of the Black Line Podcast. I have to tell you before we get started, um, I'm excited about this podcast for two reasons. Uh, one, you'll learn about very quickly, this, this, whole, um, this whole episode actually originated on several LinkedIn posts. And two, I get to introduce our guest who um, is the first person ever that I've only known through LinkedIn and came on the podcast. So um, this is social media at its best. Derek, why don't you introduce everybody uh, who's listening? Oh, hi. Well, thanks so much, Doug. Yeah, hi, I'm Derek Wazinski. Uh, I am formerly the VP of sales at a company called Zinbit, chief sales hacker there. Uh, SaaS organization selling software here in the new millennium. And uh, I'm currently advising a couple of companies and uh, interested in having this conversation about the state of sales. So to frame it up, why don't you tell everybody uh, from your perspective, what is the state of sales? Uh, well, unlike, uh, well, it's not, it's not the state of the union, so I'm not going to say the state of sales is good. Uh, what I'm going to so say- So we're going to speak the truth here today. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to speak a little truth. I don't know what to power, but we're going to speak a little truth here. Uh, yeah, the state of sales is, 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 is listing like a ship, I think. I think it's listing, and uh, I think there's a, there, there's a definite possibility that there could be some sinkage, or at least- uh, or at least a lot of water that comes in. Um, the reason being is because, uh, you know, as you know, the conversations that we've had online via LinkedIn, uh, I truly do believe, you know, I've been in sales over 30 years. So, you know, my first job in sales, I was calling up people um, at home uh, from 4 to 7 p.m. every day trying to sell them magazine subscriptions while they're eating their meatloaf and their spaghetti. Uh, you know, so, so that, you know, that little boiler room, I could, I, I could literally, all my leads were on cards and I could smoke cigarettes while I was doing that job. So that's how long ago it was. <laughs> so I've been in sales for quite a long period of time. And what I've noticed is that, uh, you know, there's a lot has changed, but there's been a sea change in the way the buyer reacts to organizations, to companies that are looking to go ahead and provide them products and services and uh, it's pretty much because of this information explosion that we've had in the last uh, 20, maybe 15 years. And, uh, and, I, and I really do believe that there's a lot of people out there talking about doing incremental changes to the way salespeople need to react and to deal with customers. And I think that's probably one of the reasons you're seeing Numbers like 50% of salespeople not making quota. The average VP of sales has a life shelf life of about 12 to 16 months at organizations. Uh, you know, people's resumes, mine included, looks like, uh, you know, hopscotch jumping every two years to different organizations. Uh, you know, that's a systemic issue. You look on everybody's LinkedIn, you look on everybody's resume, they all look the same. And, and I really do believe that it's because we're trying to fix a 21st century problem 
with 19th century mentality and tools. Well, Mike, he's going back further than us. He's going back. Uh, he's yeah. 19th century. Um, so, so Derek, you know that, you know, we, we agree that there's a problem and, yes. and, and we agree that, that, that there's been a seed change. Let, let me play, uh, let me play contrary view. I don't even want to say mm -hmm. devil's advocate because I'm, I'm even going to argue a couple of things that I don't even necessarily agree with, but, but let's speak for the other side. Um, HubSpot just reported numbers. Uh, yesterday predicted to do 101 million. They did, what was it, Mike, 107 million? Yeah, it's just under 107. Um, um, sales growth, uh, economic growth, revenue growth, um, profit, or, you know, profits, upsize surprises are all running at record or near record highs. If sales is so broken, why are so many companies making so much money? because they're making money on the fact that sales is broken. You look at the explosion in sales enablement in the last five years. What does HubSpot do? CRM and marketing. What does Salesforce do? CRM and marketing. Look at the Salesforce ecosystem. I, I was, I'm just fresh from a company, a multi-million dollar company that we built on the Salesforce platform. Why? Because it's a CRM that didn't do everything it needed to do, so it had little bits and pieces of software that you could attach to it to do certain things. There is a multi-billion dollar industry out there in sales enablement and sales training. Um, you know, I, I guess, you know, the most recent number is the average, the average organization spends about $1,500 per rep on sales training and about $3,500 per rep on sales software. And yet they're continually missing their quotas because what we're missing is, is those salespeople are out there not selling sales software. They're not selling training. They're not on LinkedIn talking to different salespeople. They're selling stuff and things and widgets to different companies. And those companies, those buyers in those organizations are just buying differently. And the fact is, is that every, so what does everybody do? Everybody goes ahead and they hire a bunch of SDRs and they throw a bunch of man hours or they send 10 billion outbound emails or they try to go ahead and bring in something like ABM or bring in something like marketing or, you know, a multitude of different things. Now CX, you know, customer experience is the big thing in order to bring in and kind of revolutionize sales. Um, the fact is, is when you talk to people at Zenbit, what I was able to do is I talked to people that sold to people that were not salespeople. So the people that I dealt with were salespeople that dealt with aircraft organization or you know aircraft manufacturers dealt with third-party suppliers of the big three dealt with people that built stuff and things and they sold those stuff and things and what they're finding and what they're finding is is that they're having a harder time making their numbers and their organizations are having a harder time making their revenue numbers and is that is, and I agree with everything you're saying. And my background was actually not selling to sales or marketing people, whereas now today that is my life. Right. Um, and, I, and I would agree with you that it's a total, it's a fundamentally different sea change as far as my approach. Um, and I was in enterprise tech storage and it was the same thing. They, these were engineers that I was selling to. But do you believe that there's, there's not the market for those, because that I would totally disagree. Yeah. If there's no. not a market. It's 
So, so give me a little bit more insight into what you're, okay. what you're saying there, if you don't mind. There, there's a market. People are buying stuff and things. But there's been, for, for, since time immemorial, there have been two tracks in sales, in a sales career. You had a B2C track and a B2B track. B2C was to the consumer. And marketing understood the consumer very, very well. Coke, Pepsi, Marlboro cigarettes, whatever. I mean, they could market to consumers. Consumers would be able to make their choices. They'd have brand loyalty. And then they'd go ahead and talk to friends and family and say, oh, I bought this insurance or I bought this car or something else of that effect. And that's how B2C marketing went for a long period of time. B2B marketing and B2B sales was always about you know, getting information out there, empowering a sales rep or a sales organization to exchange their knowledge for information into the internal buying process of the organization, figuring out if they need your widget or if they need your what's it, and then taking them through a sales process. What's happened in the last 15 years, I'd say even in the last 10 years, is the consumerization of the B2B space, which is that more and more organizations are selling their product, their stuff and things out there in the world, either parallel to or just, you know, irregardless of whatever sales organization or salesperson is out there. That's the first thing I think that's happened, that the consumer, that the consumer who is buying everything either at Amazon or at CarMax or at Netflix, all of these things that they're doing at home, to expect them to get up out off their couch and then go to their home office because most of them are working remotely anyways, they're going to go to their home office and then they're going to engage in a RFP-based buying process where a bunch of people give them demos and they go through this long, laborious negotiation process like they're trying to buy a rug at some Middle Eastern bazaar. All of that stuff that nobody likes about the sales process, we've been able to get rid of a lot of that in the B2C space. And the B2B space is now, is now understanding that it needs to catch up. And that's why you've seen just a proliferation of, of anything as a service. First, it was software as a service, infrastructure as a service. Now it's a multitude of different products and services as a service. And as those offerings increase, it is going to be harder and harder for, a sale, for an organization to say, we need a sales team, we need a sales organization to be our soldiers on the ground in order to share this information so we can bring people in. Or not. <laughs> yeah, <so> <laughs> I could be wrong. <laughs> so are, are you calling for the elimination of, of the sales function? Is that your call? Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not calling for it. I'm. I'm saying that the plane is landing, and we're going to decide whether or not it's a smooth landing or we crash into a mountain. I think oh. the consumer. I think the consumer is the one who's going to decide. The customer is going to decide, and the customer is already deciding. I mean, it's kind of like you know, I'm not someone who's there, you know, out there in the street going get rid of salespeople with a big sign and a pitchfork. I'm so you know, look at me as a canary in the coal mine going, you know, I'm smelling something funny around here and we better figure out what we're going to do if we want to survive the next 5, 10, 15 years. Uh, because quite honestly, I'm looking at, you know, I'm, I'm 48 years old. So I have about 15 years left within my career that I want to go ahead and be impactful in. Um, 
what's that going to look like in 10, 15 years? Am I going to be able to go ahead? Am I going to be managing a sales team? Am I going to be managing a sales org? Am I going to be able to provide? Are there going to be the people there that are doing jobs that are going to take my knowledge and wisdom and go forth and, and, and multiply their sales? So let, let, let me challenge you here because I, where, sure. where I would agree is I, I, I think for years you could be a peddler. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I remember when I, you know, you, you grew oh, yeah. up um, in sales, you were calling from four to seven. I was calling from four to nine. You were selling magazine subscriptions. I was selling municipal bonds, baby. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I could still probably give you the call script, you know, <laughs> yielding 4.2%, which is a 7.3% tax equivalent. Um, you know, I could go into a cold call cowboy, all that thing. I mean, you, you could just, you, you I mean, right. it, we were, we were peddling, right? The old phrase, tie, tie an order pad to a dog's tail, let it run around the neighborhood mm-hmm. long enough. Eventually someone's going to fill out an order. Right. And, and, and so for years, because the customer didn't have that ability and they had to go through these, these arcane processes, salespeople existed there. And I, and I would agree with you that those, that, that, that function is, you know, you're the dinosaur and, and hell, I think the meteor is probably already hit and we're just dealing with the afterlife. But, but there's another type of selling that, that I'm, I'm going to call value creative selling for, for lack of a better um, definition. There is still, um, you know, the, the phrases we're, we're drowning in information, we're starved for knowledge. There's, there's a tremendous lack of context. There's, um, we're overwhelmed with decisions. Um, the, the research is getting a little bit dated. Um, I have not seen anything that, that goes against it that, that looks at, I mean, I'm talking about the challenger research. Right. You know, they, they, they said, you know, the, you know, and by the way, a lot of the challenger research was on the, that, that got all the press that, that it's kind of stuck is the sales side idea of you need to be a challenger. But, right. but a core part of that research was also on the buy side, which is what is right. it that you look for? What is it that you value? And it was insights in the market, the ability to understand, um, you know, good salespeople or selling organizations do this all the time. This isn't necessarily our area of expertise. Um, if you go back years ago to Neil Rackham, I'm not even going to oh, talk yeah. about spin sell. I'm not even talking about spin right. selling. I'm talking about fundamental value buyers versus total value buyers. And, right. and, and so we are still dealing with, with greater and greater complexity and whatever you want to call this role, I still see tremendous value and, and demand. And in some ways I see growing demand for people who can, for people and processes that can help people make sense of everything um, and, 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 and move those things forward. Are you, are you saying, I mean, do you agree with that? Or are you saying, yeah, Doug, that's just kind of the last vestige. And you know what, dude, you, you know, well, you've got a meteor it, coming after you too. <laughs> well, no, I mean, listen, it's a slow, it, it may be slow meteor, it may be fast meteor, but, but here, but my, but my kind of, uh, in my humble opinion, um, and again, it's just an opinion based upon, you know, the years that I've been doing this and, and, and as a buyer as well, as a buyer as well as a seller, because I think, I think a large part of the issue with modern sales practices, and you guys may agree, is that many of us, many of us that are partaking in, 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 in having this conversation, some of us aren't buyers and some of us have never been buyers. And the fact is, is that when you're not a buyer, when you're not a business buyer, it's very hard for someone to understand um, you know, what goes on in that decision-making process, but all that, all that being put aside to answer your, to answer your question directly, 
the pluggers that you talked about, the plotters, the ability to go ahead, you know, I knocked on doors, I sold copy machines to dentists. I mean, try to sell a dentist a copy machine that they don't need and you see how kind of, you know, what kind of salesperson you are. Um, you know, that, that model, that model was, was built and created and then we built and created support systems to support that model, whether it be uh, sales support systems, comp systems, bonus systems, those types of systems. And the, and the fact is, is that in the modern sales arena, and I've heard this from other, I've heard this from customers when I was at Xerox, I heard it from customers when I was at Zinbit and other places as well, is that as a value provider, as someone who provides valuable insight to my customers, the question they have to ask themselves is, is that value, whatever I find, find its intrinsic value of it, is it tainted by the fact that I'm giving it because I get a commission based upon whether you decide yes or no. That, see, the, see, see, the issue to the buyer, the issue to the buyer, what, when, when they go on a third-party website and they take a look at a review process or, you know, review, they go on Yelp, they go on Amazon, they go, there's a whole bunch of people giving their opinions, but they're actual users, they're actual everything else. Nobody, nobody's really got that the, the belief is, the belief is, because there's systems that we can do it, but nobody has skin in the game as opposed to, as opposed to what's going on. There, now, I'm not saying that there's not salespeople that are honorable and, and able to go ahead and say, Mr. Customer, Mrs. Customer, you're not ready for this yet. You're not a fit. There's a multitude of people out there. I deal with them every day. I've managed a bunch of them. But the system that we've created to support these people that's not the norm that we're looking for. We're looking for people to push our widgets. We're looking for people to sell our stuff and things. And we've created systems in order to do that. And then the buyer sits back and says, okay, well, I've looked at three stuff and things. I've looked at three widgets. Everybody's telling me they have a best widget. Now it's my job. I've got all this great valuable insight from everybody. Now I'm still left here trying to figure out exactly which one has really given me the Given me the given me the real stuff. Artie, Ellen, I forgot to tell you to bring the boxing ring bell because we're <laughs> we're round one, baby. We're about to go. Um, <laughs> all out of respect, obviously. Um, so here here's my goal. We're 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 gonna have this debate now. Um, Mike, you're gonna have to do your best to get a word in edgewise, man. Yeah, no, I'm 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 with you. I mean, it's one of the things that you and I have talked about in the past. I I'd, I'd, I'd love to touch on it, but. I agree that in certain instances, commission structures, things along those lines are, in some organizations are broken, but part of what I'm hearing you say, Derek, or at least I'm extrapolating, is it's not just salespeople. That's like saying every business owner or um, anybody who runs a business, their opinion or their value add is tainted because that's how I make well, money. Well, what, what's the value add of a, of a successful, so in the model that we have, before third-party review, before Twitter and somebody tweeting about a bad user experience, the model was sell all you can, bury your dead bodies in the backyard. Nobody gave a referral for a bad installation or a bad implementation. We created those systems. And we can go on. We can talk about Wells Fargo. We can talk about Pfizer. We can talk about all these, you know, these, these, these companies that have went out and created sales plans to maximize sales, which is what they're supposed to do. But the end result 
is disadvantageous to the customer and eventually disadvantageous to the market. I, I, I agree. But what I want to say is I think there's, there's two or three things that are being conflated. So, so here's my goal. I've been, we've been waiting for this. We've been looking for a really good debate and, and you clearly are, are a smart guy on your game. So, so this is going to be fun. My goal is we're going to have some fun. People are going to learn something. And then my real goal is I think we're going to agree on the end. Cause I actually think from my conversation with you and a couple of other things that have happened, I actually have an, uh, an angle that I'm going to say for the end to get, to get your take and see if we can't end with, um, um, with, with, with peace and alignment for all. Um, and if not, we'll just have a whole lot of fun along the way. So I, I love what you said. And I, and it actually hit a point that I haven't thought about as much. We built these systems and uh, you know, the status quo fights to protect itself and the system fights to protect itself. And so even in the world um, and, 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 and too often the lip service of customer centered value, creative, whatever, we're still being, we're, we're still, we're, we're kind of building it on, on the legacy system. And, and if you're building on the legacy system, it's always going to be anchored there. Yeah. It would be like trying to build a piece of technology off of DOS. Right. You're, 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 you're it was called gonna... windows 95. I'm here. In right. Seattle. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> But, but, but let's hit the point right now, because you, you have said on LinkedIn and, and where our debate started, you have said, if you get a commission, you can't be trusted. I think, I think that is the, okay, let me, let me put it this way. Would a customer be wrong if they thought that? Would a customer be wrong if they thought that? Yes, they would be wrong. I mean, well, you know, you, we could say, how do you know if a salesperson's lying? Well, that's the thing. And, well, the, well, the, well, the, well, the, well, the, <laughs> well, well I, I mean, I'll, I'll add my two cents here. I mean, that's like, I mean, if, if, if we're, if we're really just calling it out and saying as a consumer, if I truly believe that a salesperson can't be trusted because they're getting a commission check, that's almost like saying anybody that works for that organization that I'm about to buy from that takes a paycheck, can't be trusted. And it, depend, I, it depends I, on what their paycheck is based on. If their paycheck is based on putting a widget in your hand, then there's a, there's a question there. But what if the paycheck is rather than that based on how long you hold the widget or how well the widget works for you or how many more widgets you buy after that or how many referrals that you give to, to, to sell other widgets? It's the fact is, is that the product, the solution, the service, that's where the value is. And I don't, and, 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 and so for me, when, when, when you are building a mousetrap, you can have the greatest marketing team in the world that's going out there, the greatest sales team in the world, going out there selling those mousetraps. And in the old days, you could take those mousetraps from door to door, from town to town, and sell them, whether they worked or not. In 2018, those mousetraps have to catch mice, or you're going to get banged on Twitter, you're going to get banged on LinkedIn, your mousetraps don't work, and you're going to have a PR problem. Right. So, so he, but here, here's the point that, that I think you're, you're making where, where it, it would be my point. And then I'm going to share a piece of psychological research just so we can really nerd out. Um, one is, you know, I, I agree with you. How is the incentive designed? What is the incentive aimed to? And whether, whether it's a variable incentive or a fixed incentive, right? I mean, a paycheck uh, with no quote unquote commission is still an incentive. It's just yes. fixed, right? 
And so variable or, variable or fixed makes a very slight difference. But, but by the way, Daniel Pink, you know, demythified this whole idea on the sales side that, you know, all these VPs of sales who say, well, I'm going to change my commission program because commissions motivate salespeople and they don't. Um, but, but at the same point, like you're, you're right. If, if I'm incentivized and judged and see, I think the issue is not, it's not the compensation. It's the judgment. It's the story. Um, well, we, it's- we tell the story of how this guy got it done. Right. We don't tell mm-hmm. the story of how this person took six months longer to make sure it was the smart choice. Right. But- well, well, speaking of speaking, you know, when you take a look, there was also, um, there was also another author, his, his, uh, his, uh, his, um, his name escapes me, but he was a, some PhD, some brain doctor or something else. And, and he actually came out and talked about how, how, we, how when we ask people to do A and we pay for them to do A, but we expect B, we're always going to get A. So I understand. See, I've been in the sales organizations where from the 1st to the 15th, we were all about solution selling. We were all about going yeah, out right. there and providing value. We were all about going out there and doing everything else. And then the 15th of the month rolls around. And everybody looks at the CRM and it's like, how many widgets have you sold? How many widgets are going out on the 30th? Right. What's going on? And it all, and it all shifts because we're compensating on the widget being placed and not on the value that we're providing the customer. We're judging on more than we're compensating on. Well, ju- well, let me, let me ask you this. You talked about a bunch of people, you know, you talked about Daniel Pink saying commission plans don't motivate salespeople. This last January, one of my, uh, you know, I did one of my little uh, sale, my 7 a.m. sales meeting cartoons and, you know, thousands oh, of people. Don't on miss LinkedIn. 7 a.m. sales cartoons. Just a little plug for you. Um, but, good stuff. Good insights. Sorry, go ahead. No, yeah, but uh, but one of them was about you know you know sitting you know sitting in a sales meeting, getting introduced January to the new cop plan, mm-hmm. and and having it structured and having it. Fit. It's like anybody who's ever been who spent a week carrying a bag, if they if that week was from December to January, went through an entire comp plan stru- restructure and change. And the fact is, is that we're so focused. Salespeople are so salespeople focus. The majority of, I won't even say the majority, but we have been uh, conditioned to focus on our personal comp from the very beginning of our sales careers. When I first started selling copiers at a big company, starts with an X, they went ahead and gave me a spreadsheet. And the very first line of that spreadsheet was what I was going to make off of this particular device. What, what was my compensation off this particular machine? And from that, I built out the structure of the device so that it would meet the customer needs, right? But the very first thing I was thinking about was that comp. Now, what, what I'm saying is that we've conditioned, we've created this, this ecosystem, this, 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 this tribe, if you will, of salespeople, of sales organizations that think like that. And the fact is, is now, you know, uh, you think a guy like me come, comes around and says it's not working, that I'm blaming them. We're all, we're all to blame for this process. There's, there are ways to fix it. But the fact is, is that I'm just calling it out and saying, there, as a buyer, as a buyer, when I'm buying something, if I can buy something and I can have a great user experience or at least a decent user experience and not have to deal with a commission salesperson, I'm going to do that. So, so stay with me. Sure. Right? 
Um, when you were at that copier company that no one's probably ever heard of that started with an X, probably ended with an X too. Uh, <laughs> did you have a manager? Oh yeah. What was the most sales? Right. What was the most frequent question that your manager asked you? The most frequent question that my manager asked me, besides uh, besides, are you coming in today? Because I was usually at or above quota, so that was it. <laughs> but no, I mean the I mean the thing he I mean the thing he asked me the most is where where are you in your pipeline? What are you know where where, where are you in your quota? What's going on? Right. How's your week? How's your month? How's your week? How's your month? how's your week? How's your month? And 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 if you weren't hitting quota, mm -hmm. if you came in at ninety percent quota or eighty percent quota, because God forbid you actually realized that, that um, a, a copier company that started with an S was, was maybe the right thing for them. And, and right. did that, what did, did your manager say to you, hey, good job, man. Yeah, no, no, he was like Alec Baldwin at the beginning of the movie. Right. <laughs> and, and so, and so every, you know, so from the first to the 15th, we're all about solution from the 15th to the 30th, yeah. the manager starts walking in. I, like I said, I was at Merrill Lynch. I'll, I'll give the company away. I, obviously we gave them copy your company away. If you can't figure that out. Then, you know, you probably shouldn't be listening to this podcast. <laughs> You're but, probably on the wrong podcast. If you can't. <laughs> right, right. But my manager would come into my office on a regular basis right. and say, Doug, how's your mind? And you know what I said to him? get the blank out of my office because you're not. And I did. I mean, I, I, I didn't say blank by the way. Um, Cause I said, I said, you know, Rich, you're not asking me how my clients do it. You're not asking about performance. I know what you're asking. You know what my numbers are. And, I'm, and I was also like, I mean, this is especially, we got, you know, modern technology. I'm like, why are you even asking me? You get the same damn reports I get. Right. But, but my point is yes, there's comp. And I totally agree with you that, that the comp system needs, change this is where i th the comp system absolutely needs to be changed we need to think about what is the result that we want and you're you know i you know mark robert tells the story in his book um you know sales what is it sales acceleration formula um, you know he tells the story of they were looking and and they seen a huge churn issue and so he introduced the idea of clawbacks right. where you know and and lo and behold the comp aligned with what the statement was and churn went down but what wasn't mentioned was what managers talked about, the right. stories that got told, the success, the legends. It went from being, hey, look at these people that I got through. And, and I don't think every salesperson, I think it's the minority of salespeople that are like this, but I work with a moving company, right? Um, we were doing sales coaching for a moving company. I was doing ride-alongs. They're, they're meeting with this family. The family's moving to, um, to, to Italy. Mm -hmm. And... And the, the wife who was very trusting, and, and this was a good, this was a good rep. The wife was very trusting, very unknowledgeable. The company had been referred um, and said, well, you know, um, we've also got to get our cars there. Are you able to get cars to, or do we have to go to somebody else? And he, literally his eyes opened up and I saw the dollar signs in there because he knew he had this woman who didn't know anything, right. who, who, had a, who had a deep need. He's like, oh, of course we can. Um, raked her over the coals, ripped her off. And I got it six months later, I went back in to do refresher sales training. And the story they were telling about was this guy, can you believe what he got on X? Right. And, and, and so my point is compensation or otherwise, if the legends, the stories, right. the, the pats on the back, the reprimands are 
about that, then that's the behavior you're going to get. Oh yeah, but more than, I, more than the comp, even if the comp well, was different, you're still going to go by to is my manager saying I'm doing a good job or not because we're humans. And we want to be told that we're doing a great job and we want to be left alone and you were above quota so you could be out. I'm not saying comp has no impact, but I'm saying it's more about the story. If we started telling different stories, we'd see different behaviors. I, I would agree. However, it's the stories you pay for that you pay attention to. So, so I mean, what, I mean, what I'm talking about is that is, is, is for me the understanding that, because I've been in those organizations as well, and I've seen, you know, the guys and the gals with the big Lexan, uh, you know, 500% of quota over the quarter. They're the, they're the legends that, you know, they're the legends. They're the ones that people tell the stories about. And it's because, it, I, you know, I guess we can agree. I think where we disagree is did the system create the the people or did the people create the system? I think we both understand that there is a system out there that is broken, not irreparably so, but it is broken. I understand, listen, I like, I like paper for, I'm a guy who loves pay for performance because I'm a performer. So I've never had a problem being on a, being on a commission plan. I've never had a problem being on a bonus plan. I don't have a problem paying people either a commission or a bonus. What I'm interested in is having a further conversation on what that commission is or bonus is paid on. Is it paid on the attainment of a sale? Because in the SaaS world and in the, in the X as a service world, that's like five to 30% of the total lifetime revenue for a customer. So am, mm -hmm. I, am, so am I paying that on, on that little investment up front or do I pay like a commission or a bonus on the 70 to 95% of revenue that I'm gonna get from that customer. And if I am, there's a whole host of other people that need to be brought into that pay for performance, whether it be your, your sales engineers, whether it be your implementation specialists, your customer success, your customer experience, your developers. I mean, I can foresee a day when organizations have revenue bonus plans where everyone within the organization is built on a revenue is 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 paid a base salary a good base salary a very good base salary but also gets revenue bonuses or profit sharing and it has i and i believe that kind of model it has to be based on the 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 customer experience in toto as far as because it because because if we're because whatever we do if we're if we're paying for sales we're going to get sales or we're going to get a pro, you know, the, the, a, a, a reasonable facsimile of sales, which is which is getting people to sign on the dotted line, and in a SaaS environment, in a month, getting you know canceling their subscription because the thing I, didn't work. I agree. What what are we solving for? And if we solve for a sale, then we're going to get that, whether it's it's good, short term, long term. Right. Here's a history question for you: Why are salespeople paid commission? What was the reason that salespeople got paid commission? Hmm. That's a real good question. I uh, I just had a conversation about tipping that I could tell you, but that's another conversation. But uh, but uh, as far as uh, I, you know, I I wouldn't. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. That's a very good question. So 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 where where things got messed up is somewhere along the line, commissions got referred to as an incentive, as a motivator. The reason that salespeople were paid commissions was risk mitigation. Mm -hmm. 
right? It was a, it was a way a company, because by the way, if we think about how sales started, why did we call peddlers? Well, you had people right. that made product and basically every, every professional salesperson originally, well, I'm sorry, there was the original sales profession, but we'll save that for another. <laughs> that's, that's for the uh, after dark podcast. Exactly. Exactly. But, you know, so, you know, you had everyone was like this multi-line rep, you know, there was yeah. the person who walked around from city to city and, 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 and sold the wares and they were not employees of the company because, you know, the company manufactured stuff. And then these people went around from town to town and sold it and they all did their own individual things. And so it was actually commission was all about risk mitigation. It was yeah. how can I get that? And I w I'll pay you when you sell, but I can't afford to pay you until you sell. Right. And, and that's that completely, completely understand that. But it, but in your instance of, of the people going from town to town selling, they also brought their own ringers with them. Oh yeah. To go ahead in the, you know, so, so my point is when you base a comp plan on customer attainment and sales, whatever comp plan you base that on you, there is not one that exists, I think. And I would love to be proven wrong that a good rep or a smart rep, can't game they can't gaming of the comp plan and the the reason and this is another completely conversation here but the reason companies have such an issue with year over year or quota over quota revenue attainment i would draw that back to the way the comp plans and the bonus plans are structured because any organization out there i don't care if you're the greatest salesperson the most uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the, uh, a person with who has the most integrity in the world. If your comp plan is based on sales and your bonus structure is based on sales, if you're going to finish a month and that one more deal that month doesn't affect that comp, but the next month it will affect that comp. That's what that's what that's where sandbagging came from. That's where I mean, and, right. and that happens on a, it's another thing that people, oh, I would never do that. But, I'll, I'll <laughs> you know, if, if we're honest, we build out our pipeline based I'll, upon the comp plan. I'll tell you, I'll tell you how to fix that in a minute. I want to hit, I want to hit two other topics because I think that you're unfairly um, convicting salespeople because my kids gamed their plan. It wasn't an incentive plan, but they figured out what the rules are and where do they push mm -hmm. this. And accountants push, accountants push the Accenture, Enron, um, the accountants right. who, who were lying, cheating, and stealing to, to push right. this. They're, they weren't getting incentive comp. Everybody, we're humans naturally look at any system and try to push it to the edge. And that's why we learn discipline and, and boundaries, et cetera. So, I mean, I agree. Right, but with Enron, I mean, we've all heard the tapes of those guys selling the grandmothers. I mean, no, but, like but that, what that, about, that was, no, I'm talking about the auditors. Okay. I'm talking about the auditors who signed off on it, that knew it was going on, that worked for Arthur Anderson. They were not getting comp. They were not getting incentive comp. They signed off on it. They, I mean, and every accountant in the history of, of, of accounting has said, okay, how can we, you know, wh why do we have gap? Because accountants tried to push things to artificially, because that would mean good things. And, you know, so, so yeah, everybody pushes the system. Freakonomics is the book that talks about how you, you know, figure out the structure that figures out the incentive and, and the incentive is money. I, I would agree with you that, that where you put your compensation system, especially in sales, because there's so much talk, that is the most obvious point of what you're saying is important to you. Right. Right. 
but but I want to hit another bullshit number before I before I get us onto the same page. And again, that's still my goal. Um, I told you, Mike. Good luck. Here's the bullshit number. The bullshit number is, by the way, I'm going to use this number because it's good for my marketing. Oh, whoops! I guess I just proved Derek's point. Uh, <laughs> 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 hey, at least I admit it, right? <laughs> there you go. There you go. The the first step is admit. Here's the bullshit number. Here, here's the bullshit number. 50% of salespeople don't hit quota. It's a bullshit number. And it's a bullshit number for two reasons. One is, yeah, I know CSO keeps getting credited, CSO insights or whatever. I've never seen the actual source study that, that, that really reports on it. But here's, I was actually talking to um, a sales exec who's a friend of mine and we, we were talking about this. And he's like, yeah, Doug, that whole thing's bullshit. He said, because here's what, here's what we do. We set our quota at 130% of what we expect people to hit. So if my people hit 65 to 70%, I hit my number. Yeah, but they don't. Yeah, but, but guess, <laughs> so guess what happens? for that. Well, they, they, they get, well, some of them just actually, believe it or not, some of them are, but, but this, whole, this whole quota number is, is, is part of what I think is the, bigger, is the bigger crap that leads to what the problem is. I think the problem is far more systemic. I think the problem is the reason that salespeople, the reason that we get the last 10 days are filled, you know, the, you're, I look, the, the first, the solution, understand the value of our solution. The 20th is a 5% discount. The 25th is a 10% discount. The 27th is a 15 to 20% discount. And depending upon how things are going, the 30th and 31st are 25% discount. Which I won't be able to honor on the first. So you have exactly. to sign right now. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right. I got one more car. I mean, I, you know, I got one more car on the lot. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. And, she, and, and she's coming down at five o'clock to get it. Right. Right. Yep. And, and, and so we, and, and, and so why does that happen? Well, well, the reason is, is because we're asking sales organizations are asking their sales teams to hit numbers that that the organization has not built the raw material of of leads engagement presence in the market and they've you know and they've continued to hire more and more salespeople because Mm -hmm. hire more salespeople get more sales and so what we've done is in in a market i mean i laugh because people are talking about how hard it is today and it's like, well, what are you guys going to do when we hit a reset? What are we going to do when the economy turns? Yeah. Do you think it's hard now? Yeah. Oh, my God. And, and so sales teams, so, so the organizations are putting salespeople in a position where they have to hit goals that they don't have the raw material for. Right. And, and so now I'm in a cage. I want to get fed. I don't want to get fired. There's the threat of, you know, miss two months and you get on a pip. And, 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 you know, this and this and this. And so we're, we're pushing salespeople to behave yes. in that manner Yes. for those reasons. And, and again, I, I don't disagree with you that comp is, is the, you know, icing on the cake. But if we took away commissions and we just said everybody's paid a flat fee, everyone's paid the living wage or, or whatever, you know, whatever economic utopia that people talk about, but we continue to put, you know, we have 50 salespeople to um, achieve a number that 30 will achieve, would achieve if we took the comp issue totally away and, and left everything else the same, we'd have the same problem. Oh, no, no. I, it, 
I under yeah, I completely agree with the systemicness, if that's a word, of what you're talking about, and the fact that uh, I throw one more thing in there, and I throw the um, I throw customer churn rates. I think mm -hmm. that uh, I you know you know especially in the X as a service model, our churn rates are way way too high. Um, customer success. Uh, you talked about you know people paying for something and people you know believing something. You know, a wise man once told me, I think I've said it on LinkedIn too, uh, if you want to know what, per what a person believes, take a look at their budget, see what they pay for. And if they're investing in customer success, if they're investing in after the sales support, if they're investing in development, if they're investing in building a better widget, building a better mousetrap, um, that's what they believe. But if they're continually putting money on the front end with more and more uh, 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 marketing, you know, you know, more and more marketing campaigns, more and more sales programs, more and more commission-based bonus programs, spiffs, contests, those types of things to get people coming in the door. Now, I do believe that there is a place uh, in 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 the in the in the new normal that I think right now and in the future for people for sales, quote unquote, salespeople for lead generation and demand generation. I think the most important thing a salesperson can do today is know how to prospect in 2018. Know how to prospect a customer, a buyer, uh, influencer, know who your individual customer, or your ideal customer profile is, know, know all the personas underneath that, know how to communicate to each one of those. I think good organizations can build a system to support that. But I think everything has to happen in, at the at at the front end that's should that that's, really be should that really be a function of some of those things that you talked about should that really be a function of the sales organization yeah. or the marketing organization no I believe, Sorry. I believe it should be more on the marketing organization's front to to i i believe it's i believe that sales and marketing is going to I think the same thing that's going to happen in B2B sales is what happened to B2C salespeople within the, uh, within, the, within the consumer. Nobody goes to Nordstrom to talk to the salesperson anymore. They know exactly what they're going to do. They know exactly what they're going to get. I think marketing and sales is, I, I hate the term smarketing, but the fact is that salespeople have to specialize and they need to get smart. I don't disagree, I don't disagree with that so, whatsoever. So Mike, I'm going to throw something at you and, and, and what it's actually been something that I've been working on and what Derek just said, really, really kind of, kind of flipped it. And I'm going to go back. Um, I consulted with a government contractor some time ago. And, and if, for those of you that don't know government contractors, they, they live on RFPs. I mean, for all the RFP sucks yep. and don't respond to an RFP. If you're talking yeah. to a government contractor and you say, don't respond to an RFP, what you're basically saying is don't be in business because that's just yeah. not how it works. Um, and so in the conversation, you know, I, I acknowledged, yeah, okay, you, you, you got to respond to RFPs. I said, but here's the problem. You're paying your salesperson for the wrong thing. And they're like, well, what do you mean? I said, you're paying your salesperson when you win business. Like, well, yeah, that's what you pay salespeople for. I said, no, a salesperson has nothing to do with you winning business. You need to pay your salespeople to cause RFPs. Yes, yes. They need to go to the program officers and change what the program officers are thinking. If you go, if you go way back, to just as the challenger research was coming out at Imagine, we were talking about this role of provoker. We talked about there's four roles in sales. There's the finder, the provoker, the engager, and the expander. So mm -hmm. the expander is customer success account management. 
the finder is is the volume person of of building the engagement and awareness and that's going to look different in different markets the engager manages a sales process now we give so we over credit salespeople for closing the sale we're still stuck yep. in this in this belief of closing is the key but the reality is it's the person who, who reframes the problem that drives the decision criteria. Tell me how you define the problem. I will tell you how you're going to define the decision criteria. Yeah, I fully agree. I think opening is the new closing. I think that, I think that getting people in the door, identifying need, uh, creating demand, that is, the 20, that is 2018 beyond of what B2B sales professionals should be should be trying to do we're gonna flip the account executive sdr model yes yes because well there you're you're exactly for me i am i am still shocked I, you know and i understand i've read aaron ross i've read everybody i know how that model worked and everything else wait back when it was created but the fact is it with the buyers that we have right now and with as much information that they have and as much access to information and insight that they have that we take people that have little or no idea about the product, the industry, or anything else, and we make them the first point of contact with it. We all say that you, there's no way to make a second impression once you've made the first, right? But the fact is, if we're letting, the fact that we let, and it, again, God love them, I love that they do what they do, they're doing a very difficult job, and many, and some of them are doing it very well. But for many of them, us, us as, as, as as owners of companies, as owners of businesses, as people that provide stuff and things to 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 customers, uh, why are we innate? Why are we letting our first contact, our first contact? I mean, if we're going to contact an alien race, do we do we send a guy that you know that has a third grade education and that has really no idea what's going on on, on oh, the planet? Are you talking about the president we, of the United States? <laughs> huge, huge. <laughs> Sorry. No, but uh, but but really, the whole I, I and I'm not the I'm not the only one to think this too. I think the whole SDR model uh, and the way it's been uh, uh, crafted over the last four or five years, um, especially in the startup world, especially in the SaaS world, the 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 you know and 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 Doug, I mean, I'm sure you've seen it with these organizations you go in. The very first thing people do to ramp up is they go 10x on the number of SDRs that they have to try to bring in so, people for meetings and demos. So, so the, the, by the way, the reason for that, and you're going to love some of the stuff we come out with, I'm definitely going to want to buy you. We're going to bring you back, by the way, to, to right. walk through this if for no other reason. Um, we're, we're, we're about to come out with a, a, a paper on a sales development debt, and, and you'll be fascinated by what, what the answer is. Um, the, the, the problem is when people say, you know, oh, well, your senior person has to be your, your first. The problem with that is that may be true, <laughs> but it's not viable because yeah. you can't scale it. There, there's not enough talent. There's still too low a probability. But, but when you change the game and you say, look, the finder role, there's a volume component that is marketing. I mean, basically when an SDR is playing that, that very front role, they're actually playing a marketing role. They, they've yes. got a sales title. But if you really take a look at the theory of sales and marketing, it is a marketing role. It, it is this idea of, of where the real value is. Once I get you to see the world in a different way, everything that happens after that is pretty easy and it's really predictable. You can build a system for it. You can build Correct. literally Correct. a machine yes. to walk them through that process. It becomes, it's, 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 getting them, yes, it's getting them in the door. It's getting them to come on the lot 
and interested and understanding. And once they do, you can build a system for that. Because you know why? People are used to that in the consumer world. They're used to that ability. That's how people buy in general. That's how people buy consumer products. They're they're, they, they have all kinds of marketing pushed at them. They talk to their friends and neighbors. They go ahead and try things at the grocery store. They try shoes on at the, at the, at the, at, at the store. And then eventually then they make their purchase decisions. So, and what happens? Those purchase decisions, they're loyal to those purchase decisions. I know people that have been buying the same type of products for 30 years in the consumer. They spent tens of thousands of dollars. Why can't we have that type of brand loyalty in the B2B world? So I totally agree. We're, we're on the same page on conclusion. I'm going to share my, my, my final thought with you in a minute, but I, I mm-hmm. do want to, I'm going to say, I want to caution you. I could be wrong, but I'm going <laughs> to caution you anyway. Where you lose me is when you say, this is how it happens in the consumer world. When you talk mm-hmm. about Nordstrom's and things like that. And let me tell you why. First off, when you look at, at, at what, I, by the way, I think B2B and B2C is a horrible designation and model. The, the issue is, is it high consideration versus low consideration? Is it discontinuous innovation versus continuous innovation? If you go back to Jeffrey Moore crossing right. the chasm. In a B2B sale, you have multiple parties who have oftentimes conflicting issues mm-hmm. and the decisions that get made have higher risk. And, and the risk is not, as a matter of fact, the lowest part of the risk is typically the money that gets spent yeah. for the product. Then it's all the pain, it's the pain of bringing whatever you're on. Does it outweigh the pain of whatever and, the problem is? And, and by the way, I've got to fire my status quo. Right. Right. So I have to commit to change. I'm going to stop. Whereas if I buy a pair of shoes at Nordstrom's and, and, I, and someone tells me that they're ugly on me and I, you know, Nordstrom's doesn't have their wonderful return policy. So I warned four times before someone said, oh, my God, Doug, um, pink shoes, that is the wrong color for you. <laughs> I'm out. I'm out 150 bucks. Not that. Not, I mean, that's just a make believe story. Um, so, so that's the place where where I don't think it's ever going to be like business to consumer. I do agree that a lot of. I think marketing is going to become. There's there's a lot of principles well, of marketing and demand generation that are true, but the process you, is a much higher risk process. Right, and and, and, I, and I do understand. Although, if you look at the highest risk purchases that consumers make vis-a-vis home purchase and automobile purchase, which are the two largest purchases a human being makes here in the Western world. Mm -hmm. Those are more and more becoming a self-service automated solution where they get a lot of information up front from multiple channels, Mm -hmm. and then they make a decision based upon peer peer information and peer review. Yep, fair. Excellent point. And if we had more time, we'd um, we'd absolutely engage there. Um, all right, let me throw you my idea out to you because I think I, okay. I think I solved your problem. I think I solved. The- <laughs> now, by the way, you, you can always sandbag, right? There's always some degree of sandbagging. I'm actually this is going to be coming out on on LinkedIn Pulse uh, soon. So part of the problem with 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 comp and and commission isn't just the isn't the commission as we said, it's how the commission is structured. So we talked about what are you incentivizing. Right. But the other problem that we have, well, you know, why do we have this first to 15th cycle and, and all this craziness and, and crap? Well, it's because we've created this artificial game of meet your quota every month. So in December, when we have the year end push and we end at 130% quota yeah. and I pulled in sales from the end of January to, you know, to push it in. 
<laughs> and then, then I'm in January. Now I've got to pull in sales from March. And before you know it, I'm in February. I'm, in, I'm trying to pull in sales from October and we haven't even generated the lead yet. Right. And, and then all of a sudden you have high performers that are always operating in this basis of, oh my God, I might not hit my number. I might not hit my number, which, which causes all kinds of stress. There's all kinds of, of, of crap to, to psychology. Now, depending upon the sales cycle and, and, and the cadence and the rhythm and velocity that's needed would be dependent. But here's how I comp salespeople. Their quotas are not monthly based. Their quotas are trailing based monthly average. Mm-hmm. So trailing three month monthly average in a, you know, in a typical SaaS environment, a trailing three month monthly average, a trailing six month monthly average. If you're looking at bigger sales, longer sales cycles. So if I'm at 200, cause I'm a business owner, right? right. If I'm at 200% quota in January, I'm actually a little nervous cause I got to now deliver, you know, but Hey, that's great. And in February, if I'm at 200% January and, and, 20% February, you know what you call me? A happy business owner. Right. Right. You know, you know why, you know why Warren Buffett makes more money in his businesses. You know, if you take a look at the profit of his businesses, consistently high profit. He talks about the fact it's like, you know, the problem is wall street has created this artificial value right. of consistent earnings. We love chunky earnings because chunky earnings tend to be more. Because we make a huge swath here. And so when a salesperson goes out and crushes it in a month, they should be able to enjoy it. And, and, and by the way, they, they, they can enjoy it for a period of time. Now, there's the management and a top performance. I, I've heard some people say, well, if you're 300% quota on a three-month trailing average, you just take the next two months off. Like, yeah, probably not. But, but, but do you get what I'm saying? So if you, if you oh, no. move that away, so now there's no artificial meaning. The 30th doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's where am I, is my, is my, you know, am, am I trending up? How much do you think that type of comp system would still bring the incentives in place, still help to create that urgency? Um, I, by the way, I agree that, that you should be on a grid. Where, where what's your customer success rate? Should, should yes, and that's, yeah, that's, that's, exactly, yeah. that's exactly the big thing because what I would be looking at in that three to six months, especially in the SaaS model, about how many customers three months ago are still, that you signed are still customers now and what that experience is like and, and, and how that's weighted within the comp. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm all for pay per performance for, um, uh, for innovative comp plans. Again, Whatever comp plan is designed, it needs to be explained to the customer and it needs to be understood that the customer is going to understand that as a commission salesperson, you're, you're trying to go ahead and sell me something. You want to hear my crazy idea? I'm, Let's hear Mike, it. Mike, I'm really curious. I'm really curious what you're going to think of this because I've never even said this to you. So, so for those of you that aren't there, and we'll, we'll put this in the show notes. I'll create an example of this in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so we, you know, we'd have a commission grid, you know, based on the trailing month average. Right. And then, and then what your, what your incentive comp would be, would be based on a success metric. So we'd have at least an X, Y axis. Um, but I'll tell you the number that I would look at if I was running a SaaS company, I would look at 24 month renewal rate. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. For sure. That, on, that's on, that's on. That is literally the difference between life and death for a SaaS organization. Is that 24 months? Not three months, not six months, nope. not 12, 24 months. Because it's, I, I, I was talking to a SaaS rep. I'm like, well, you know, 
because it was a um, it was someone that I was talking to. It turned out they weren't right for us, but but this rep actually introduced me to him. So I'm like, look, here's here's the situation. They're not the right people, and they're not going to stick with this. That's why you know as a service company, I I can't deal with it. I'm like, but right. I mean, if you want me to tell them that that you guys are the right product, you are. Um, I got to tell you, there's probably a five percent chance they'll be with you once their one year license is up. The response was, eh, you know what? I got a quota, I got a hit, and you know, if they're not with us at the end of a the year, then you know, you know, as and, long as, as well, they're going to be changing, they're going to be they're going to be changing the logo on their golf shirt anyway. So, you know, in, in another right. year. But I and I, I've kind of kept quiet. I I, I love. The, I know, I'm sorry. No, no, no. I love the conversation. I mean, one point that I just have to hit on, which. I think is just absolutely completely asinine. Anybody that has a monthly quota should stop now. Like that, it just creates too much. Holy cow. Far too much bad behavior. Mike, you just put uh, 3 million salespeople on the job market. Well, <laughs> well, no, I'm not. I'm saying the executive leadership of that. That's why, you know, back to your point, Derek, the executive leadership, they're there for 12, 16 months. Well, because we're all trying to artificially grow companies. And well, and that's, be, well, let, again, this could be another podcast completely, you know, all together about, about remember why we're doing that is because we have investors. Yeah, no, no, no absolutely. Investors are interested in, absolutely. Short, exactly, in short term gain. Yep. I mean, we, I mean, we live in a world now. I mean, when I was selling copiers door to door to dentists, uh, the the only churn, the only churn that I knew about or, or burn rate was uh, the paper going through the top of the machine if it actually singed the paper. That was a burn rate. Now with an organization, <laughs> now with an organizations that I work on, you have a burn rate for cash. Right. Right. I that's that's something that I never knew in the '80s or the '90s, and it's but it's something that that we deal with now, especially in the information technology, and definitely in the SaaS world. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's one point that we talked about on our last podcast, which is, you know, this idea of flight. And there's two ways that you can get something into the air. One is propulsion, which is incredibly expensive. It takes right. a tremendous amount of energy. And that's the way most B2B organizations are working versus, you know, the concept of lift, which is, you know, obviously a much less expensive, much less energy going into getting something to the angle. The angle of ascent is, is much lower but it's a more steady rise and it's a, and, and it's a much more sustainable business. Which things blow up. It, 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 the, the other piece well, of it as well is we are continuing to see these VC backed companies that had tremendous promise that solved real problems that they just were not given enough time. Well, the, you're exactly right. I mean, the, the landscape is littered with the corpses of good solutions and good companies yep. that weren't given enough time to mature within their market, enough time to address the needs of the customer. And what happens is, is other organizations go through and they pick through all the bones of those types of things. And all of a sudden, you know, uh, you know, MySpace begets Facebook, you know, those types of things where, 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 where you have a lot of these earlier companies that are coming out because of the organizations. There's a lot of great solutions out there that don't ever make it uh, primarily because they're not given the opportunity to grow. Yep. Organically. Yes. Correct. Correct. Wow. Well, see, I, I got to tell you, I got, we got two exclamation points in the chat from Ellen here. <laughs> 
I was gonna say, I who's think, banging that gong in my ear? Like, close it down. He he. I, we could go on, man. Well, here's the good news: we had a debate, we had fun, and mm-hmm. we ended it with agreement. Yes. How about that? How about that, um, Derek? This was this was as much fun as I was hoping uh, it would be. I I hope the people that are listening get what we're talking about. This, this thing is structural. Um, it, a, it's structural. So, so, so quit moving the, the, the chairs yeah. and, and B it's solvable. It is. Yes. And, and, and C it is easily addressed. It's, you can see it if you're looking for it. Let's, 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 let's get rid of this notion that everything is the same and there's no problem out there. There's problems, there's challenges out there. Uh, listen, I'm open to answers. If someone could give me a great answer that's, that's, that's you know, opposite of what I'm thinking the future is going to be, I'm all for listening for it. But to not say that something's going on, to not say that there's changes that need to be made because of the market, because of that, I think that's the most dangerous proposition out there. And if you're listening to someone who's saying that, Pick up another book, listen to another podcast, do something else than the person that you're listening with. Not this one, of course. This one's good. Don't, don't, don't I just need to buy another piece of sales technology or marketing yeah. technology? That's <laughs> yeah, that, that'll yeah there's another. Yeah, there's just another one right down the way, right next door. Right. 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 Derek, thank you so much. We are definitely going to have you back, man. This was, thank this you was so awesome. much, guys. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, Derek, thanks for joining and great to, uh, great to connect. Great. Great to connect with you guys. Thanks so much for everything. Thank you.